Well, don't you love it when God disrupts our meeting? You know, I've got such a great preach that's at least an hour long. But now it's already 5 to 11 there. And uh, you're looking at me nervously going, is he going to do it? You know, I mean, how dare he disrupt our time? But anyway, that's the reason. It's for him. Actually, the verse that came up through this whole thing uh, was in Romans 14, where it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace. There's a song we sang, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You see, when all else is falling around us, we operate in righteousness, we have peace, and we have joy. And then he goes on to speak about, you know, acceptable to God is approved by men and pursue all these things. But the last line of that chapter, he says, but whoever has doubts if, is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. He's talking about foods and stuff, causing another brother to stumble. But this line catches me. For whatever does not pr proceed from faith, is sin. Wow. Whatever doesn't proceed from faith is sin. There we go. There's our Bible school dean. It's unbelief. Just believe. If you've got to step out in that boat, you have to believe. You, you have to have the belief that God will come through. This is where South Africa is. We have to believe in our mighty God. We have to believe in the kingdom is going to arise. And it requires us to stand firm and I, what's that, Daniel eleven thirty two? 32? Stand firm and take action. Meaning, I'm going to stand and I'm going to walk forward now. And we're not going to hold back. We're not going to push back. So we've got so much to do here. I'm going to do all the stuff that we want to do at the end of the sermon. Okay? Because we are in Daniel. And we're speaking through what the prophecies that Daniel had said. So I'm going to have to cut things short, but we've got time to roll things over the next few weeks. Um, because I want to pray into the current state of war in our city. Okay, we have to stand in the spirit and release peace and righteousness over our city. But I want to do that partnering with communion and releasing the covenant of peace and righteousness and joy and hope in our hearts because that's the only thing that we can stand with. If we stand up with our bullets and our guns, it creates more war. But there's a people that will stand. And I believe in righteousness. We need to believe even the unsaved can be righteous. You know that. We need to believe righteous people arise in our city and don't back down will not back down from this wicked lawlessness that is playing out across our city. Okay, and I want to pray into that and uh, speak into that. But another thing I've realized, I was talking to a friend in India on Friday morning. He leads a church in India, just reading different articles, talking to different people. Have we noticed how much rain has fallen in the last month around the world? Yeah, climate change. What a lie. Uh, you can go listen to my preach a couple of weeks ago. We nailed that one. The earth is greener than it's ever been, okay? Weather changes, sticky joe. Okay, There's, China has got floods, cars floating down the road. India, he said, they've had more rain than he's ever known in his life. I think the figure in China was they haven't had rain like this for 120 years. I've never seen so much rain in Cape Town. In this last season, Dubai was recently flooded. Oman was having storms and floods kind of playing out there. There's stuff that's it's India, it's China. And then when we were in Korea, there was so much rain and flooding, that about 40 people died from landslides and things playing out there because of the extent of rain. And I'm like, is something happening? Well, it always rains there, man. That's, not, that's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Are they expecting more than ever? Shame on them. But they're used to it. They're ready for it. I was like, I don't know, I'm not making a spiritual thing of this, but like, wow, that's interesting. There's more rain than there's ever 
been that I've noticed over the last little while. So God is pouring out. He's pouring out to us. So let's pick up from where we left off last week. Okay, in Daniel 7. We can just start that PowerPoint, Jude. Just go to the third slide. Next one, if you can. Next one. Next one. And we'll start from there. Okay. I'm going to try and whiz through this because it's, I was only going to touch on um, Daniel 8 and 9, but I might only be able to do Daniel 8 today because there's a lot into this. So if you are visiting us here today, we have been on a journey on understanding the end times, but the prophetic purpose and plan of God. It's not so that we have more knowledge and understanding. It's so that our spirits are discerning in the hour what God is speaking, what God is saying to the churches at this time for us to be able to be in tune with what's happening and the signs that are playing on and around us. Okay, so we're on, this is session, this is session 14. Okay, we started last year, and if you want to catch up with that, we've got it on a Google Drive, and you can catch up in um, the, the story and the journey with us. So, first, last week, we looked at Daniel 2, speaks about the statue. Okay, his prophecy, the dream of Nebuchadnezzar broke down all those four areas, which was related to four kingdoms, which in Daniel 7 also related to these four beasts. Okay, now these are just kind of artistic impressions of what they'd be like, but this is, you know, what they saw and feel described in the Bible. And those four beasts are representing and speaking about the four kingdoms, okay, that were playing out. So chapter 2 and chapter 7, both related together. They were meaning the same thing. So all the statue, all the, all the, um, the animals and the beasts there related to different kingdoms and empires. Okay, Babylon being the first, Media Persia, Greece, uh, and then the, 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 the tussle between the Islamic caliphate and the Roman kind of empire. And there's a big tussle of which those will be, which are later in the month. I will break down both the Roman and the Islamic understanding of where out of the fourth kingdom, the Antichrist will arise. Okay? And how that plays out in time. So, as we understand the book of Daniel, okay, chapter 1 was Daniel and his life and his background. What we did last week was chapters 2 to 7, dealing with the times of the Gentiles. Okay, Nebuchadnezzar was a Gentile. Babylon, all those empires were Gentile empires. Now we start hitting how those Gentile, how the Gentile history relates to Israel. Okay, and you've got to see how that plays towards the land, but towards God's people, towards what He's saying. You've got to see that shift that takes place in this book here. So let's um, <clears throat> kick into it and get into Daniel 8. Okay, Father, we pray that this message would touch hearts of people. This is not information. This is your word that gives us understanding of the hour and the times. And I want you to know, folks, this is history confirmed through the Bible. Okay. So in the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared to me, Daniel, after that which appeared to me at the first. I saw in the vision, and when I saw, I was in Susa, the citadel. Okay, so Susa is the city. It's about 200 miles away from where he was in Babylon okay, which is in the province of Elam, and I saw in the vision, now he's probably seeing, he's not there in person, he's seeing this in a vision, because he's been there before on um, work that he used to do for the king, uh, I saw in the vision, and I was at the Ulaya Canal, I raised my eyes and saw, and behold, a ram standing on the bank of the canal, and it had two horns, and both horns were high, but the one was higher than the other, and the higher one came up last. I saw the ram charging westward, northward, and southward, and no beast could stand before him, and there was no one who could rescue from his power. He did as he pleased and became great. Okay, now if you've read that with no understanding, 
to say, what does that mean? What does it understand? Okay, now it's all again relating to the chapter 2 and chapter 7 pictures that Daniel uh, saw in these visions and the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, so I remember the timing is around 550 before Christ, 550 BC. Okay, we're talking like two and a half thousand years ago, this was taking place. Babylon, where David was centered with Nebuchadnezzar, that was destroyed in around 539 BC. Okay, which was 11 years later from when Daniel was speaking these words of this, the king who was ruling at this day. So the, ra the ram Daniel sees gives reference to the second kingdom and second empire, meaning the Medo-Persian kingdom, okay, that took over from Babylon. Okay, this is still while Daniel was alive, and this gives details of how they came into being. And the two horns speaks of the two kingdoms, the Mede and the Persian kingdom that came together as one. The Mede was a smaller kingdom, meaning the shorter horn. The Persians was a larger kingdom and empire, which means the larger horn on the ram that he saw. Okay, and the place he was just standing, I was saying he was not there necessarily in person, but that place, Susa, is actually where a lot of the book of Esther took place in time to come. Okay, and King Xerxes was, the, was King um, Nehemiah, uh, so he was with Nehemiah where he was cupbearer in uh, Nehemiah 1.11, and he was the son of Xerxes, and it speaks in future. These people were actually in that area. Okay, so I'm going to just keep moving here. You're going to see how it all pans out together. Not difficult to grasp and understand when you see it. Okay, I want you also to see a reference of maps relating to these empires, because the Bible also speaks about how these empires, he went northward, he went westward, he went southward, and it speaks about the areas that these kingdoms and these empires would actually take charge of. This is the area of Babylon. Take note, the gray circle in the middle with the white kind of fluff around it, that is Babylon. That's where Babylon was positioned, and um, still today in times, but there's ruins there of what it is, okay? That is the Babylon, Babylonian Empire, okay? And I want you to understand the geography, what happens here in these places, and I say take note where Babylon is. Now, if you go to the, the next part, this is the Mede-Persian kingdom, which came after Babylon, now it's in Daniel's vision, this is the ram he's talking about with the two horns, the Mede and Persians. Now see the extension of the empire that went from what was Babylon, okay, you can see the Mediterranean Sea and Damascus there, see how much further it extends into the west, okay, what does the prophecy say? He'll move westward, he'll move northwards, and he'll move southward. It's extended right down into Egypt, and right across the south he took, um, he took greater ground, okay, and this is Daniel speaking about the ram. Okay, we're going to keep moving. <clears throat> this is the next part, is Daniel in that same chapter. As I was considering, behold, a male goat came from the west across the face of the whole earth without touching the ground. And the goat had a conspicuous horn between his eyes. He came to the ram with two horns, okay, which I had seen standing on the bank of the canal, and he ran at him in his powerful wrath. I saw him come close to the ram, and he was enraged against him, and struck the ram, and broke his two horns. And the ram had no power to stand before him, but he cast him down to the ground, and trampled him. And there was no one who could rescue the ram from his power. Then the goat became exceedingly great. But when he was strong, the great horn was broken. And instead of it, there came up four conspicuous horns towards the winds of heaven." Okay, now to give greater and deeper understanding to this, okay? Now, the goat that enters the scene does not mean the greatest of all time, okay? This is not Roger Federer or who we kind of consider there, okay? He's a goat. No, this is in Daniel's vision, okay? 
And uh, this gives reference. Okay, now history, I'll show you how it all lines up. This what he's speaking about now. The goat gives reference to Alexander the Great. Okay, Alexander the Great was from the Greek Empire. This is Greece now that we can see from these scriptures. And when Daniel was alive, Greece was a very small, insignificant country. Okay, but this guy, Alexander the Great, took great power and movement. I'll explain a little bit more now. These are just, again, artistic pictures of what we could see. There's the, the ram on the left, okay, with its two horns, and then this goat with this weird one horn sticking out. This was what Daniel saw coming out. I did see this picture, and the first thing that came to mind when I saw this picture was that. So, oh, come on now. And the, the thing on the right is the All Blacks. Okay. And it just, it's going to just take him out. Okay, that's how we're going to roll. Okay. All right, so now let's remember, chapter 2 was the statue, four, four kingdoms. Okay. Chapter 7 was the four animals, beasts, relating to the four kingdoms. This, chapter 8, is relating to those two, the ram being Media Persia, and the goat, meaning Greece. Okay, so it's important we've got to cover this ground and understand these things that fit in here together. Now I want you to see the map. This is the map of Alexander the, Alexander the Great's conquests of the land that he took. Okay, so what did it say there in the, in the, in the, in the he went west, he went north, he took, and he, he took so much ground so quickly. Okay, so suddenly um, it speaks about, um, he suddenly breaks in, and then there's a sudden and a premature death of Alexander the Great. So it says, if you read the verse there at the end, it was saying, um, and there was no one who could rescue him. Then the goat became great, but, he was, but when he was strong, the horn was broken. That's speaking into his death. Okay, and instead of, of it, there came four conspicuous horns. So the Alexander the Great died, they speculate, between the age of 31 and 33, around about there. But the reference of the goat that it says moving across the land, that it didn't even touch the ground, is speaking into how quickly his conquests were. He took incredible ground very quickly at the age of 32, whatever, and when he died. And it says there, I said, like I said last week, he cried at some point because he had no more place to conquer. Sounds like a spoiled brat, but he was pretty clearly an ugly spoiled brat because he was a nasty guy. Okay? So there's some serious conquests. And look how far he went to the east. He ca captured almost up to the point of India. Okay, now we must remember too. Now, Daniel prophesied in seeing this. This is 200 years later from when Daniel was alive. Okay, this is why um, liberals in, in theology and go, it's impossible. It's impossible that he knew with so much detail this was actually going to take place 200 years. And they said he must have written it later. But it's clearly not because they found those, the scrolls, the Dead Sea Scrolls and the book of Daniel and it proved all of this was spoken centuries before it took place. God's word will never fail. It'll always come about true. Daniel saw these things way before they happened. See, now the reference to the goat flying so quickly also gives reference to that leopard who was the third beast with these wings, fast, kind of flying, taking ground and conquests quickly, referencing that, um, that beast. Okay. All right, so then we read the next part. Like I said, the bottom of the horn suddenly breaks, and there's a premature death okay, of, of um, uh, Alexander the Great, which he died in 323 B.C., which I say is 200 years after, um, after Daniel was, uh, was alive, and he was clearly dead by then. Okay, so we keep going. Daniel 8. Now, the next part of the passage, Daniel 8, 9 to 12, says, And out 
of them. Now remember it said, out of this big horn that fell, which Alexander the Great died, four kingdoms came up. Four, four little horns came up out of this, this um, goat that he saw. And out of them came a little horn. Okay, so now remember the four horns, okay, was reference to the four breaking down of the empire of Greek was broken into four areas by four um, different rulers and different kind of generals in the Greek army at that stage. And the north and the south became the most kind of strong kingdoms and strong empires after the death of Alexander the Great. Okay, and broken into, the, so that's referencing the four kingdoms, but now there's this little horn, which grew exceedingly great towards the south and toward the east and towards the glorious land. And it grew great, even to the host of heaven. And some of the host and some of the stars it threw down to the ground and trampled on them. It became great, even as great as the prince of the host. And the regular burnt offerings was taken away from him, and the place of his sanctuary was overthrown. And a host will be given over to it, together with the regular burnt offering, because of transgression, it will, be throw, it will throw truth to the ground, and it will act and prosper. Okay. Now, this little horn that emerges out of the four horns, okay, is one of those four kingdoms, or those four parts of the empire of Greece. Out of that, this another horn arises. This horn, okay, is giving reference. That's the, that's the map of the place of, of Greek empire. Okay, and you can see again where Babylon is. And you can see how far right it, go, uh, right it goes to the east to take on India, into the west, into the south. But out of this four horns, the one kingdom, okay, that Antiochus Epiphanes, Rod, Rod, help me there. Epiphanes. It's an epiphany. It's an epiphany, okay? It's an epiphany. Antiochus Epiphany. He rose out of one of those kingdoms, okay, and... When it gives reference to the glorious land, it's speaking about the Holy Land. It's speaking about Israel and Jerusalem. So now, there's, now people don't get confused now. If we remember reading Daniel 7, verse 8, it gave reference to this little horn. And now in Daniel 8, it's giving reference to another little horn. There are two different little horns. Okay? Stick with me. This stuff can be confusing, but go with me. Daniel 8, 7, 8 says this, I considered the horns. Now remember, this is the beast with the ten horns, okay, that ugly final fourth kingdom. And there came up among them another horn, a little horn, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots, and behold, in the horns were eyes of the man and the mouth speaking of the kingdom. Okay? That reference to chapter 7, 8 is speaking of the fourth kingdom. That still needs to be fulfilled. Okay, that's reference to the Antichrist, that little horn. This horn we're speaking about here in Daniel 8 verse, verse 9. I think it's, if we got it there, yeah. This little horn, this has been fulfilled. And this refers to the third kingdom of Greece. Okay, and it gives reference to Antiochus Epiphanes. Okay, so what we're seeing here is the horn re referenced in chapter 7 of the fourth kingdom of the Antichrist arising, still to be fulfilled, what we're seeing in chapter 8 is a fulfillment of this person, but he's a foreshadow, he's a likeness to what the Antichrist will be like. Okay? So Daniel's seeing this stuff hundreds of years before it's taken place. And he's giving detail into the actions of what this person will do 
And it's foreshadowing what the Antichrist will actually do in the Holy Land and the things he will do out. Okay. So, yeah, foreshadow. <clears throat> the map, the map of Alexander. Let's, let's, okay. So Alexander Great divided, as I said, into four regions. Went to the east. A little horn arises, Antichus, uh, Antichus Epiphanes. Okay, he ruled Syria from about 175. So remember, Daniel is exiled to Babylon in 605 BC. This is now nearly 400 years later. Again, while the, the liberal theologians couldn't, he could never have known so much detail and how he called out because it played out in history that these people kind of happened by. So this ruler, Antiochus Epiphanes, was, was, Epiphanes, sorry, was a wicked, wicked, wicked man. Reference to, so as part of the book I was reading, when Antiochus was in Egypt in the land of Israel, a rumor was spread that he had been killed while he was attacking down south in Egypt. A rebellion followed with the disposed high priest Jason gathering a force of 1,000 soldiers and making a surprise attack on the city of Jerusalem. This is, he was part of the Maccabees. Okay? As Antiochus returned north, however, hearing of this rebellion, he attacked Jerusalem and executed roughly 40,000 Jews and selling as many into slavery. And this is recounted, the book of, there's a book of Maccabees like, Maccabees, like you get the book of Enoch. They are not in the actual holy text and the, 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 the word that the God has put down, but these were writings of people way back, the same time as Daniel, the same time, and they're not recognized in the Bible, but they're recognized in history that these things were taking place. This is a quote from chapter, um, the second book of Maccabees, chapter 5, 11 to 14, and it says this, and when that's referring now to this revolt and then Antiochus coming and attacking them. When these happenings were reported to the king, he thought that Judea was in revolt. Raging like a wild animal, speaking about Antiochus, he set out from Egypt and took Jerusalem by storm. He ordered his soldiers to cut down without mercy those whom they met and to slay those who took refuge in their houses. There was a massacre of young and old, a killing of women and children, a slaughter of virgins and infants in the space of three days. 80,000 were lost, 40,000 meeting a violent death, and the same number being sold into slavery. Wicked, evil, evil man. Now this is in around, around 200 BC. When I read that for the first time, I thought, you know, we see so many cruel and wicked people coming and going. And the thought that I had, you know what? God outlives them all. They, 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 these are now history stories, but imagine being alive at that time. The, 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 the cruelness that was being played out by an evil man. Give reference to, it's nearly a hundred years ago, you know, that World War II started. <laughs> Crazy, eh? But that man, look what he did. How evil his intent was and the killing of, with Hitler, what he did, and killing six million Jews. He's dead. God has outlived him. And they see, that's where our hope is, that all these things will take place. And Matthew, these things have to take place, and then the end will come. And we have to stand firm through the midst of these trials. And what we're even facing in today, God outlives all of them, okay? And that's our hope, okay? So the Greek ruler, this Antiochus Epiphanes, is a fulfillment, but also, as I say, a foreshadow of the cruel leader that will emerge 
in the final seven years that they called Jacob's trouble, the time of tribulation, the final seven years here on earth before Jesus returns. Okay? This, what's been speaking about here in Daniel, gives a foreshadow of the Antichrist that will come. And it speaks, you see, later in the book of Daniel, it gives reference, it says it's twice, it says, well, it's in this chapter, but I haven't got them on here. It says there, it's, it's the angel speaking to Daniel, it says, these are for the times of the end. Okay, there's a difference between, now we've got time to go into that, but the Hebrew meaning when it says times of the end and that um, version where you say the latter days in the Bible, they mean similar things, but it's different. When it says the end times, it means that final seven years that will take place. The latter days are days to come. God's speaking about. So it says there twice, this, this, this what you're seeing now is reference to the end. The time of the end, these things will take place. Okay, and I want you to see some similarities, and we'll, I'll teach you more on the understanding of the behavior of the Antichrist and the things that will take place as this Antiochus is a, is a foreshadow of what to come. These are some of the things that both of these, the Antichrist, but this is what Antiochus did as a foreshadow. He sets himself up as God. Okay, now it's quite interesting. Look at North Korea. That man has declared himself God to the people. His great grand, or his grandfather declared that. It's, it's, it's wicked in all its understanding. This man did exactly the same thing. Okay, he sets himself as God. He sets himself as the prince of hosts, meaning the prince of the army. I'm in charge. I am higher and rule above all things. What Antiochus did, which the Antichrist will do, okay, is stop the daily sacrifices in the temple and persecute the Jews. Okay, now this is where it opens up, and we'll talk into this, that, well, there has to be a temple and there has to be daily sacrifice taking place in Israel for him to be able to do that. There's no third temple in Israel currently. The first temple was destroyed. The second temple was destroyed in 70 AD. It had never been rebuilt since then. So for that to take place, there has to be a third temple built. Okay? There's no sacrifice taking place in Israel right now. The timing of this when that will happen is that it will probably happen in those final seven years they will rebuild a temple. And the Antichrist will be the man of peace. Now you'll read the passages a little later and what will take place. And after three and a half years, he will break that contract and he will then desecrate the temple and then sacrifice a pig in the temple just as Antiochus did hundreds of years ago. Okay? And desecrate the temple with pagan gods and sacrifice a pig. It fulfills the requirement of throwing truth, truth thrown to the ground. And his name, Epiphanes, actually means glorious one which he named himself. Okay, he called himself that name. He added, Antiochus, he added Epiphanes to his name, Glorious Mons, which assuming that he was God. That's how he played out. Okay, let's keep reading. Daniel 8. Okay, so just to understand there, okay, the ram and the goat, it's all building, it's understanding the story, it's giving reference to people in history, okay, that we see Alexander the Great, we see Antiochus coming through as a foreshadow of what the Antichrist will be, those prophetic words from Daniel are confirming, and they've been confirmed because all those things have happened, and you can read any history book, and they're there, those times, the dates, everything that he spoke about took place, then it goes on, he says, then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to the one who spoke, for how long is the vision concerning the regular burnt offering, the transgressions that make desolation and the giving over of the sanctuary and host to be trampled underfoot. So he's asking the question, how long is this guy going to rule like this? How long are we going to see this desolation and this destruction taking place? 
And he said to me, for 2,300 evenings and mornings, then the sanctuary shall be restored to its rightful state. When there are numbers in the Bible, everyone goes, freaks out to try and figure out what that means and the timing of everything. Okay, let me help you there because we'll see how it all plays out. Okay, when he says holy ones, he's talking to angels. Okay, how long will this destruction take place? Much of this, of what we're speaking, is actually recorded in the book of Maccabees that speaks of the temple destruction, the persecution of the Jews, the revolt of the Jews, and the thousands killed by Antiochus and stopped. There's three, three um, uh, scenarios where people thought that that 2,300 days could mean something. The Seventh-day Adventists took it literally in the sense that days actually meant years. So from the point of 4, 6, 4 5, 6, around about their B.C., they said it's going to be 2,300 years until Jesus returns. That worked out to the date 1884. Okay, that clearly didn't happen because we're all still here. Okay, first, first theory, gone. Second theory, others have said that the 2,300 days actually means 1,550 days, meaning a morning is a day, an evening is a day. Okay, and how that plays out and understands. Okay, when you look at... 1,550 days from that time that these prophecies were given in history, there's nothing that harmonizes in history of anything significant happening. It doesn't make, there's nothing there. You're like, well, okay, cool. But if he's going to say it, it must mean something. It's not going to just hover and go, okay, maybe it meant nothing. Don't know. The third one, which I believe is the one, it actually speaks about 2,300 days. It means days. Okay, so Antiochus was around from the times 175 to about 164 B.C., and at that current time when he was taking on the glorious land and the holy land, the high priest of Jerusalem at the time was Ananias III. He was assassinated at this time. And so from his assassination was the beginning of the desecration of the temple. And from that desecration of the temple, which is in around, well, actually it says on the 25th of December that happened. I can't remember the exact year, but it was about a 167 BC on the 25th of December they believe that was when the desecration started. And if you look at Antiochus Epiphanes life, for 2,300 days until he, around about when he died, the temple thing was restored. So that 2,300 days, we would say, has been fulfilled. It related to Antiochus's life and the desecration of the temple took place while he was there. When he left, things changed. Okay, so we don't have to worry about that for future times, that these numbers could mean something. They're done, fulfilled, finished. Okay, you with me? Okay, now this is Daniel continuing. Okay, Daniel 8.20. As for the ram, now, now I want you to see everything I've told you gets confirmed by the angelic speaking to him and telling exactly what's happened. I wanted to tell you before, but now I want you to see the Bible actually says and confirms it. As for the ram that you saw with the two horns, these are the kings of Media and Persia. And the goat is the king of Greece. And the great horn between his eyes is the first king. The first king of Greece was Alexander the Great that took so much territory and ground. As for the horn that was broken, in place of which four other horns arose, four kingdoms shall arise from this nation, but not with his power. Alexander the Great shared it to four of his generals that they arose out of that. Okay? And the latter end of their kingdom, when the transgressors had reached their limit, a king of bold face and one who understands riddles shall arise. That's speaking about Antiochus Epiphanes. Okay? The Bible has confirmed everything that's taken place in history for us to understand. And I wanted to do it that way around because I want you to see how the Bible confirms things. If we keep reading, 
Now it's speaking about Antiochus. His power shall be great, but not his own power, and he shall cause fearful destruction and shall succeed in what he does and destroy mighty men and the people who are the saints. By his cunning he shall make deceit prosper under his hand. And in his own mind he shall become great. So what did he name himself? Glorious one. I'm God. You will bow to me. I am. Look how powerful I am. Without warning, he shall destroy many. And he shall even rise up against the prince of princes. And he shall be broken, but not by human hand. The visions of the evenings and the mornings that has been told is true. Which is interesting now. It's speaking about that guy. And it's true about that guy. But seal up the vision, for it refers to many days from now. He saw that 400 years before it happened. Just seal it up. It's going to happen in time. Daniel clearly wasn't allowed to even witness these things taking place. Okay. And as it ends now, chapter 8, it says these words, Daniel, and I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for some days. Because he clearly looked at this and go, went... <laughs> This, this is hectic, what I'm seeing here. He believed it to be true. Like I said, he didn't think he ate something and was dreaming weird and seeing weird stuff. He saw this as God speaking to him. Then I rose and went about the king's business, but I was appalled by the vision and did not understand it. Okay? And then he moves to chapter 9, where I'm not going to get into now because it's going to be too much to detail to try and explain this, and I'm not going to do it in five minutes. Okay, this starts speaking about the 70 weeks. Okay, the 70 weeks is a reference to the, a, a period of time which works out weeks means years in the Bible terms here. Okay, so 70 times 7 gives us 490 years. And that 490 years is broken into three segments and we'll read this passage next week and we'll continue with this again. Okay, and, it, and it, this basically, this prophecy now and this timing of words gives reference to the exact time that Messiah was on earth and he died which proves Daniel's prophecies were correct and the timing of them, only he, only Almighty God could have shown him that stuff. Okay. Um, but what I want you to see here, and I'll come back to this all next time. Sorry. We'll just go through this now. Major events. I'm not going to worry. I want you to consider these things if we look. All of these prophecies that speak about these things happening out relating to the Antichrist Israel being back in its land since 1948 is significant for a lot of these things to take place. In 1840, and they're speaking about the temple and desecration, it could never have happened because Israel didn't exist. Okay, so you see the relevance in our time through, I mean, when you think about six million Jews, the worst thing like what, that, that took place for them, out of that came the recognition of their country, which is God doesn't waste moments in time. To see how he plays things out. Okay? So that, that is significant. That in our life, in this time and era, Israel is recognized as the land here on earth. These world movements, and I'm not getting into conspiracy theories about stuff, but there is more of this than there's ever been in the last years about this collective United Nations, World Health Order. We all work together. It's all part of the Antichrist spirit about being global domination. Okay, so it's one, one world movement stuff. That's what it's working into. That's the devil's plan. Okay, now we're not going to blame and say the guy that's the, the heads up the UN is the Antichrist because you've got it wrong. Okay, he won't come from there. But it's the spirit that these people are operating in. 
The other morning I got up to make coffee, and uh, every morning I make coffee. Coffee's good, hey? Every morning. And it's 10 past 6, you're there and thereabouts, you know? You're not fully there, but I'm getting there. I kick the cat on the way, just the general stuff you do on the way, because the one cat mouths at like 4 in the morning, it's crazy. And the only way she, reason she mouths is because she wants everyone up. Can you just guys get up, man? I'm awake. I'm like, anyway, I'm making coffee. As I'm making coffee, this, the line, sons of perdition, sons of perdition just comes across my thought. And I'm not thinking that at 10 past 6 in the morning, I can guarantee you. And I've been reading a lot about the Antichrist and a lot about the stuff, sons of perdition. That gives reference to Judas. Who was, it's called the son of destruction, which also gives reference to the Antichrist, the son of destruction. But what we must understand is that there are many that have come as shadows of what the Antichrist. So Antiochus Epiphanes was a foreshadow of this evil man that will arise and throw peace, but then he will desecrate the temple. He'll do these things wickedly. Okay, We've seen many, many men. Hitler plays into that. He was a wicked, evil man. Who goes around killing six million people because you want to eradicate a religion? That's exactly what Antiochus' Bethine's um, understanding was. He wanted to eradicate Ju um, Ju Judaism. He wanted to wipe it off the face of the earth. Look at Esther's story. They wanted to wipe it off the face of the earth, but God rescued them. You must realize that in our time when we're alive now, they are sons of perdition alive that are operating under that wicked spirit of the enemy. And many of them have forced their way into powerful positions, just like the Antichrist will. Okay? And we need to be discerning and understand these things, not ignorant, saying, I could all blow over, man. Don't worry, man. The Lord's got it. Well, that's not faith. That's just ignorance. Because we've got to help be able to stand firm. These things might even take place. Well, none of us could be here when this takes place. But if it does, you need to know what's cutting. You need to know what's playing out. And these signs of the times, these things are taking place. And this whole multi-faith thing. I know it's been in the pipeline for many, many years and talking about it. But I remember reading something years ago. I might be corrected, but the Pope was condoning that. Multi-faith. We all, we all serve the same God. See, these things are all about calm. We're all one together. It's not the way of the kingdom. The only way to life and godliness is through Jesus. And Jesus is the rock of offense. You can say God to people, but the moment you bring that name Jesus to conversations, people get offended. And I was saying to a group of leaders the other morning, you know, Jesus wasn't hassled about offending people because he didn't have to defend the truth. We don't, you know, can I say, you don't need to defend the truth. The truth defends itself. Just stand in truth. And he offended many. And we are going to offend many people. But it doesn't say we're not going to love. It doesn't say we're not going to have compassion. That's the, way, that's the way the world's playing out. You see, and these things are, 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 are playing, they play down in our day more than ever. More than 100 years ago, we're seeing these things happen. So what I want to do as we finish up here this morning is, is I want us to pray. <clears throat> you know, this is the reality of the spirit we're dealing with. You know, John speaks about there are many antichrists because the spirit is prevalent in our day. And what we are seeing play out across our city is exactly into the spirit. It's absolute lawlessness. And I know it's not a religious thing yet, but it fights against righteousness all the time. And uh, there, are, there are members of our church that work within the traffic department. And I messaged and I said, hey, are you guys okay? 
just to keep keep up. Do we want to pray for you? We're standing with you. See, what's gone out now is that there's word going out from departments to take the hits on on certain people, to take people out. Okay, so it's war. We're in a war. So we have to stand firm. And I want us to pray into this that peace rests upon our city. That we will not buckle, okay, to these evil things. We will not surrender to any of them. Not by people in the spirit. We battle not flesh and blood. We don't take on the taxi association. Okay? We take on the spiritual forces. And we've got to shout. I know many churches across Cape Town are releasing and praying this over our city this morning. We partner with thousands and thousands across our city. Okay? And we release peace. But what are the ways of the kingdom? Or righteousness, peace, and joy. And we speak that over as we take communion together. Okay, and uh, I think I'll leave this time to rise thing for next week because we're going to hurry through it. But there's, um, there is hope in our country of what God is saying and doing. And I, many of you heard about the time to rise thing. Sorry, I have, I'm not going to go into it now because it's uh, all the way backwards. Just go to the first few slides there, please, Jude. Okay, there's a rise of people in across our nation that are standing for righteousness. We're not making a political statement, a political thing. We're standing for righteousness, okay? And I will speak into this next week. And I'll give you, in WhatsApp you guys, more information. It's about a people across South Africa saying we arise as the people of God. Okay, and I'll give you some explanation. I'll send a video out this week for you to watch on YouTube to give reference to. And it's all building up to a gathering in October, but we don't have time for that now. I want to wrap up with praying over our city and breaking bread and that together. Um, yeah, so let's come, let's come and get some juice and bread from the tables if we can. And we're going to speak life and truth over our city from the place of covenant this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Christine. Yeah, there's lots, lots to talk about, but we'll keep going. Mm. Definitely. Yes. Thanks, Pops. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, lacquer. I just feel it needs to be plowed. No, no, it is. That is, and that's why we're all grinding in it. That is. The catch is you've got to keep repeating it and saying it, and people get it. Okay, showing the mics on. I don't want to, yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's all, let's all stand together if we can once we've got our glass and bread. Okay, we all, we all have. You see, this, this meal, folks, is the, is the power of covenant that is given to us. You see, when Jesus sent out the 72, He said, I give you authority. What did He give them authority over? They came back and reported, the demons we even fling. People like, we saw, and He said, and He says that I saw Satan fall like lightning. You see, you've been given authority over the spiritual things. The, The way we wield our power and the way we do that comes through our alignment to the body. You see, you can separate yourself from the body and you try and wield your power, it's like a clanging cymbal. But when we're united in one heart and one voice, and we declare these things to the heavenlies, the authority that we have 
they need to bow. And we're going to break bread first together. Then we're going to just release a cry and a prayer into the heavenlies, speaking over our city and over the heavenlies that they will not take hold. Because when you go a little bit further in Daniel, it speaks about the angel Gabriel or Michael coming to him and saying, I was withheld for 21 days. When you first prayed, I heard you. But I was held for 21 days because of the prince of Persia. The spiritual stronghold held, them, held the angelic back. We have to keep pushing through knowing that God is hearing our prayers. Okay? For the fulfillment of this city to prosper. And this city to flourish of all that God's got in store for it. That's what His heart is to do it. So let's partake of this together. Father, we thank You for Your Son, Jesus. We thank you for your body, Lord, that you came and the joy set before you, you laid down your life on the cross and you suffered a cruel death for us that we could come alive. And we honor your blood this morning as this covenant that will never be broken now, that it sets us as a seal with you, sons and daughters of the Most High God. And we partake of this meal together now in unity, one in heart, one in mind, aligned to your purposes and to your plan and your destiny across this nation, our lives and the city. We bless you today. Let's partake in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.